she is so in control of her brand, but she also lets her fans kind of drive the conversation and she just stays aware. Like she's just aware of what's going on. You're listening to Take It Personally, a podcast about the personal side of business and the art of standing out. I could not be more excited for this episode. I have been wanting to record this episode since the pandemic. Um, it was, I think it was like mid, mid pandemic when the Taylor Swift documentary, Miss Americana hit Netflix. And I was, I was a fan at that point. Obviously I was so excited. I, I think I watched the documentary and then I made Jeff watch the documentary. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is so good. So I've been wanting to do this episode for a while because it's been very clear that Taylor Swift is in fact a personal brand queen uh, for for a while now. But I have had some kind of like imposter syndrome about doing this episode because I am not a Taylor Swift like longtime fan. I know. I'm sorry. It kills me to say it. But I really didn't like her when I was in high school. So Taylor Swift and I are about the same age. Um, And so I think seeing this like super famous person who was my age when I was in high school was kind of like a little bit jarring to me. Like, holy crap, look at the success of this human being. And she's the same age as I am. And, And to be honest, I wasn't a huge fan of her music at that time. Now... I think of that music as like very nostalgic and I love it ironically, but I wasn't a huge fan of like Tim McGraw and um, love story, like those songs. Nonetheless, I have always had, even though I didn't really like her music and I, I remember telling my friends, like I found her obnoxious. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Taylor, if you're listening, I take it all back. But even though that was the case, I always had a respect for Taylor Swift because of the fact that she was like, so famous is not really the word because you can be famous for a lot of things, but like really so talented. Again, I wasn't the biggest fan, but I recognized that other people were. And the fact that someone had like this amount of talent and she was the same age or a little bit older than I was, I was just like, whoa, like obviously she's doing something right. Right. So I always had this respect for her. And then I think it was, um, 1989, like the album, 1989, I, I knew, um, other albums, but 1989, my husband and I had just moved to Sioux Falls. And I specifically remember there was something that shifted. I think that I was just watching her a little bit more in the media and kind of liking the things that she was about and how she was running her brand. She has always been such a marketing queen. And as someone who loves marketing, that was really fascinating to me. So anyway, we had just moved to Sioux Falls and I remember um, texting Jeff after work one day, like, Hey, can you run to target and get the 1989, like deluxe album, you know, Taylor Swift album. And he was like, no, absolutely not. Like, (laughs) what are you even talking about? Um, and so that album, all of her albums, and I feel like, you know, a lot of people feel this way. That's why she has the cult following that she does. But all of her albums were like at such significant points in my life. Like that was when we had just moved to a new town. We were living in this like really tiny apartment with multiple other people, like, like waiting to buy a house. And, um, we were both kind of trying to figure out what we were doing with our lives. Like we were kind of at 
in between job stages. And I listened to that album. I had a terrible, I mean, it felt like a terrible commute. It wasn't that bad, (laughs) but it was like in the center of town. And so I was stuck in traffic every day. And I listened to that album like backwards and forwards. I was just obsessed with it. So anyway, 1989 was like the turning point for me. And so Miss Americana documentary is really interesting because it talks about like, it's, it's her creating the lover album, but it kind of talks about like the high, high of 1989 and then the lows of reputation and then kind of like building herself back up after the fact. And I, you know, at this point it's 2022. So I've had like two years (laughs) to think about this documentary. And then obviously I've watched it multiple times um, and how it really um, just drives the point home that this woman is just (laughs) incredible when it comes to personal branding. My business has changed in recent months, mostly internally. It's not something that you would probably notice from the outside, but I have um, created more of a process to how I coach people and help people with their personal brands. And it's a four-part process, um, the, the four R's, if you will, of personal branding. And so now that I have this framework, this rebrand, I'm calling it the rebrand framework. Um, now that I have that, it makes it a little bit easier for me to kind of do breakdowns of people like Taylor Swift or people who have really amazing personal brands or maybe who want to get better when it comes to their personal brands. So that's what I want to do today is just like break down why, like, yes, she's the personal brand queen, mic drop, end of story. Like we could just be done now. If you are a Taylor fan, you'll get it right. But there's actually like a lot of um, reasoning as to why she is so incredible at personal branding. And so that's what I want to break down today. The four parts to the rebrand framework are reputation, rapport, which reputation is a Taylor Swift album, (laughs) reputation, rapport, relationship, and refine. Taylor Swift, when it comes to reputation, not only is it the name of an album, a really fantastic album that did not get near the accolades that it deserved at the time. When it comes to reputation, I'm talking about uh, your marketing and also like your digital footprint. Where are you online? What um, is being said? What do you want to be known for? What do those conversations look like? What platforms are you on? What do your accounts look like? That type of thing. That's your reputation digitized. Obviously, reputation beyond the digital space is even broader than that. But if we just look at digital, what's your reputation look like? The thing that is so interesting about Taylor Swift, she, so ultimately she really controls the conversation that's happening around her online. Yes. There are a lot of like offshoots of that. If you are on Swift talk right now, Taylor Swift, TikTok, you know that there are a lot of conversations being had right now. I'm currently recording this Monday, September 26th. And so we are less than a month away from her 10th album release. There's a lot of speculation, like there's a lot going on, but ultimately Taylor really does control the conversation. Um, I think it was around the time that she started or she released Lover, perhaps it was even before then with Reputation, she turned off all of her Instagram comments. So other people are posting things and I would have to check. I'm going to check if she has TikTok comments on. Hold on. This feels important. 
Okay. She does have TikTok comments on. I don't even, I don't know enough about TikTok to know if you can turn them off or not. So she does have comments on TikTok. She does not on Instagram. Her content is also primarily created for TikTok, at least now, like as of 2022, that's where it's created. And we know this because as she is releasing um, content, like it's first released on TikTok in that format, and then she'll repurpose it sometimes for her Instagram feed. Sometimes she'll just post it to an Instagram story. But primarily, it is TikTok. When it comes to your your reputation, a lot of the time, what we're talking about is like, where are you online and picking a platform? I think a lot of the time people think that they need to be everywhere. And that's really not the case. It's where do you want to be? Where are your people? And I think Taylor Swift knows that her people are on TikTok. But there's also definitely a subsect of us who are on Instagram. And so the fact that she is creating most of her content on TikTok, but then repurposing it to Instagram is a really, really good example of that. Okay. Coming back to the fact that she has her comments turned off on Instagram, Taylor is in charge of this conversation. So yes, there's speculation that's happening in comment sections of other people's posts, but not on her posts, which I just think is a really interesting call. Um, She also has relationships with a lot of big publications. There have been some articles that have dropped recently that are kind of lending to some of the current speculation in the media about like what this album looks like. And there are certain publications that have long running relationships with Taylor. And so I, I have a hard time saying that we know because Taylor Swift is fairly quiet about this kind of thing. So we do kind of have to speculate, but we we assume we assume pretty confidently <laughs> that she has these relationships with some publications and so she is approving what they are releasing and she's like in charge of that story. So everything that's in like the mainstream media right now talking about this 10th album I would say I am 99% sure that if it's from a publication, like I think one of them is Rolling Stone, um, like Taylor saw that before it was published. Again, allegedly. (laughs) Do I need to say? I don't know if allegedly is appropriate. Basically, like I am 99% confident as is all of Swift Talk, that Taylor had eyes on that. Taylor approved that before it was released. So she is really like, She is so in charge and in tune with her reputation. She knows what conversations are being had, and she's also leading the way. So this ties in very, very closely with the next R, which is rapport. So this, when I'm talking about rapport, I'm talking about the connection between you and your people, your ideal audience. So for Taylor, it's her connection with her fans. And Taylor is so aware of what her fans are saying. And she also lets them drive the conversation. And I find this fascinating because at the end of the day, I think it's very, very clear that Taylor is still very much in control of her brand. Like no one else is in control of her brand. It's her and her team. They are at the helm. However, they are very particular and specific about how they go about doing that. And so you're not being like inundated with, with stuff, with messages, um, even with content from the, from the Taylor Swift camp, like it's coming from other people. And I think that as that has happened more and more, Taylor has sat back a little bit and just like observed, but we know for a fact that she's aware of these conversations because once in a while she will like 
a video or um, she will like comment on a TikTok or an Instagram post. As part of the launch of TS10, Taylor released a video about like the making of TS10 and they she used an audio clip from like a band that had never, like it didn't even have a Spotify until she released this audio clip and uh, like no one had heard of this band before. And then as people started using that same audio for their own content, Taylor was going through and like, I have chills. I have chills. Okay. Taylor was going through and liking all of those videos, like faster than she could actually watch them. She was liking them. And so now you've got all of Swift Talk speculating, like, who who is this audio? Is it Taylor, but like slowed way down and like dropped an octave? Is it someone who's going to like be on TS10 with her? Is it a uh, like popular artist who we know, but they're using a pseudonym? Like what is going on? Because Taylor is like very aware of what is happening with this audio on, on TikTok right now. So it's just, it is, it's magnificent is what it is. She is so in control of her brand, but she also lets her fans kind of drive the conversation and she just stays aware. Like she's just aware of what's going on. For example, once Taylor realized that her fans are like crazy little freaks about Easter eggs, that she not actual Easter eggs, you know what I mean? Like little, little Easter eggs that she'll put in music or put in her content to um, like give us clues as to future albums or um, singles or whatever it might be. Once she figured out that her fans liked that and they like playing this like guessing game and hunting for clues, the girl went crazy. Like she went absolutely nuts with these Easter eggs that created connection and it created conversation and content that Taylor did not have to manufacture. She just put the Easter eggs there. So I think that that shows that she's really good at listening to her audience and she will, she'll acknowledge conversation. She'll acknowledge theories. I think it's always really interesting to watch her or to listen to her interviews because she will like allude to certain theories that her fans have without outright saying it. So you know, either she or a publicist or someone like they are very aware of these conversations that are being had. The next R of the rebrand framework is relationship. And I think that Taylor Swift does this beautifully. So when it comes to relationships, a lot of the time, if I'm talking to a small business, this is your like customer or client experience. It's um, how, how are you doing what you say you're going to do? So it's not just your marketing, but it's the deeper relationship that you have with your people. And a lot of that doesn't necessarily apply to Taylor, um, but much of it does because she obviously is still like deepening this relationship with her people, even though she is not a traditional like business. One of the concepts that I talk in relationship about is the concept of surprise and delight. And this is something that uh, the marketing team, when I used to work at Blue Bunny, we would talk about this a lot. Like how can we surprise and delight our ideal customer so much that she has no choice but to talk about us to her friends? Because we know that referral marketing and um other people's reviews, like those impact 
so much what we do with our dollars. And Taylor knows that too. So the concept of of surprise and delight and how Taylor uses that in her marketing is inviting her most dedicated fans to secret sessions or sending them surprise gifts. Once in a while on Swift Talk, I'll come across someone who says, like, for example, I found this video the other day and it was Taylor. She had commented on this person's TikTok. And then on TikTok, you can reply to comments and like make them videos. And so that's what this person did. And she said in her reply video, like acknowledging the fact that Taylor had commented on her video, she said, Taylor and I have actually like, I don't remember how she phrased it, but it was like, it was deeper than an acquaintance. Um, she was like, we've been connected or we've, um, we've, communicated before or something like that. It it was something that alluded to like a deeper personal connection. All this person has done with Taylor Swift is like had a few connections with them on the internet. Like they've never met in real life, nothing like that. But to her, to this fan, it felt like a deeper connection because they had like first connected on Tumblr years ago. And then now she was commenting on her, um, on her TikTok. I I don't know this for a fact, but I kind of think, or maybe I should say wonder if Taylor knows like who those kind of OG fans are or the fans that that have been with her for a long time, because this is not the first time I've heard a story like that of someone saying like, oh, I've been connected to or had conversations with Taylor Swift for years now. Um, And I think that that's really interesting. And so what Taylor has done because of these touch points over the years, whether it's inviting people to secret sessions or commenting on a TikTok or sending gifts or inviting them into her fan club or whatever, like whatever it might be. um, She has created these like die hard fans, die hard. And I know that there are a lot of artists who have fans like this, but perhaps it's just because I'm more versed in like Taylor Swift culture than other cultures, other celebrity cultures, but her, her people feel intense to me. It's like Swifties are invested. And I don't think that that's by accident. I think that that is because of the way that this woman runs her brand. These people are invested in her music. They're invested in her personal life. You should see some of these theories on on uh, Swift Talk. Some of them I think are absolutely spot on. Um, but they they are they are just so completely invested and you don't get invested without relationship. So even though most of them have never and will never meet Taylor in real life, that relationship still exists. And honestly, like to bring this back around, you're able to do that in your business too. And I think that that's why social media is such a, uh, profound possibility for business owners because we have more there there just is more possibility now with the online world than there ever has been before. I know that people want to argue that the internet is driving us apart and I think in so many ways that's true, but in so many ways it's bringing us together and it has the possibility um to bring us together. And so Taylor and people like her who have these really incredible personal brands, I mean there's no one like her, but you know what I mean? that they capitalize on that. Like literally the Taylor is literally making money on the fact that Instagram and TikTok and social media have the power to bring us together. Okay. And then the fourth R is refine. 
And this is where Taylor really shines because the woman is never the same. She is constantly changing. Her personal brand evolves as she evolves. And I think that this, this was what made the Miss Americana documentary so like utterly mind-blowing for me because she talks about, you know, each of her albums and like the evolution of them. And really think about like, I, again, I feel close to this because we're similar in age, but I think about Maddie as a 31 year old and Maddie as a 17, 18 year old. Those are two completely different people. And she had that transformation on literally the world stage. So of course there's been a lot of transformation over the years. And can you imagine if Taylor would have been like, oh no, like I can't evolve because this one time I released an album called Taylor Swift and it was a country album and I got really famous for this Tim McGraw song. So like, that's just who I am for from now until the end of time. Can you imagine if all we ever had was Tim McGraw? If we never had the Lover album, if we never had all too well, if we never had reputation, what? No, that would simply not be okay. And Taylor let her brand evolve while she evolved. She also, at this point, she has made that evolution part of her brand. Like every time she has a new album, her Instagram gets an entirely different aesthetic. The the outfits that she wears to um, different award shows are themed and aligned with whatever era she's in. And that's another thing. Like the, the Swifties have taken to calling them eras, like the lover era, the reputation era, because Taylor Swift had a different energy about her in each of these different eras. And so she's not only letting herself kind of refine herself and her own personal brand throughout the years, but she is owning that refinement. Like she's saying, I'm going to be different from album to album, from year to year, deal with it. Like come along, come along for the ride, you know? One of my favorite, favorite, favorite quotes from the Miss Americana documentary is this one. Taylor said, I want to love glitter and also stand up for the double standards that exist in our society. I want to wear pink and tell you how I feel about politics. I don't think those things have to cancel each other out. Like put it on my tombstone. That is how I feel about personal branding. People ask me a lot, like, should my personal brand, like, should I talk about politics or should I talk about this or that? Or should I keep this thing separate? And the answer at the end of the day is please do whatever the hell you want to do. I think that there are plenty of celebrities and people, personal brands out there who have shown us that you can talk about fairly divisive things, but if you do it in like a passionate and loving way, I I think you can have those conversations without ostracizing half of the planet. Also, if it's something that's important to you and that you're passionate about, and again, I know not everyone is going to agree with this, and this does not mean, me saying this does not mean that you should share about politics on your Instagram. I'm not going to tell you what to do. But my argument here is that if it's important to you, it also was probably in some capacity important to your business and therefore your personal brand. So I guess my question is not, should you? It's why shouldn't you? You know what I mean? And just kind of weighing the pros and cons. Can you have a successful brand by sharing about politics or double standards or your love for glitter and like letting all those things coexist? Hell yeah. Yes, you can. Taylor does it 
every single day and we love her for it. And also I I want to mention this because I think it's important too. Not everyone loves her. Like I'm doing a very passionate 20 minute long podcast on my queen Taylor Swift. And there will be people who like, don't even listen to this episode because they find her just completely miserable. Like they, they, they don't like her. That's okay. It doesn't mean it feels good. Of course we want to be liked, but look at the, the brand that this woman has built. And I would argue that in order to get to this point, she had to do that by pissing off a few people. I don't think that this kind of success happens by being small or quiet or being so concerned about what other people think. And at the end of the day, Taylor is this perfect Venn diagram of yes, considering her fans and thinking about what they want and what's important to them and who are they as people, but also building something that feels very, very much like her. And I think that she's so good at this because the beginning of her career, and she talks about this in Miss Americana, was so driven by others. Because how could it not be at 17, 18 years old? Like, what what do you want? You have no idea. And so you rely heavily on um, your, your producer and your parents and your manager and your publicist. And then as you get older and have more of this autonomy and you know more about what it is that you really like, and you're also getting to know your people more because they're growing up too you can have a little bit more say and even just feel more confident about the direction that you want to go in. So there you have it. There is my case study on why Taylor Swift is a personal brand queen. Thank you so much for, (laughs) I guess nobody gave me this platform. I gave it to myself, (laughs) but thank you for giving me the platform to have this conversation because I I I joke about this, but I really do think it's incredible. And I think that watching the Miss Americana documentary really drove that point home because yes, she's a celebrity and yes, she has more than any of us could ever dream to have. That is completely true. She's also really beautifully human. And she has a lot of the same struggles with confidence and body image and um, like, what will people think? And what will people say? She has a lot of those same struggles that the rest of us do. And I think that by watching her show up and be this like true version of herself and allowing that to evolve as she changes, that's the most radical thing that Taylor can do. And I think it gives all of us permission to be a little bit more radical in our own lives. Thank you so much for listening to Take It Personally. If you're a regular listener, you might already know that some of the best conversations actually happen after the show. Head over to Facebook and search Take It Personally podcast to join our private Facebook group and join the conversation. We'll also put the link in the show notes. And if you haven't already, would you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? This is the best way to let other people know about the show and help us to keep creating content you love. You can also head to takeitpersonallypodcast.com for all the show notes from today's episode and past episodes. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.